Hello, welcome to 365 Dates of Travel with Fran. I'm Fran. Welcome to my podcast. The main aim for this podcast is to make you smile from something I say and or laugh at something I did. So feel free to laugh away at me and at my expense. That's what I'm here for. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. So we're talking a behind the scenes writing story as opposed to stories from my book because it's a big topic at the moment, everything about artificial intelligence. And I don't know if that's just every one's world or if it's just in the writing world, but it seems to be everywhere at the moment. Everyone's panicking about artificial intelligence. Now, I will I will say I have heard that there are people who have lost their job because of AI, who've been able to write whatever they were writing previously. But it seems to be more the freelance writers. So freelancers probably had multiple different companies or businesses that they worked for. And it would be just when they needed something, they'd get in touch and stuff like that. So I can understand why that sort of work has been decreased by artificial intelligence. But, and I'm sure there are people who have lost their job because of it, but I don't think it's quite as big a problem as people think as yet, but I could be completely and totally wrong. So from my perspective, I'm looking at it as a new writer or a learning writer. And to me, it's just so many different tools out there and even tools that I bought before everyone went crazy about chat GPT and AI, they're adding AI elements to programs that I had already bought. So I tried to buy the lifetime price for things that I knew I would use as it's much cheaper. I hate paying subscription because you end up paying much more overall, in my opinion. Um, but everything I bought, it includes all the updates. So anytime they add any new features, I get those new features as well, even though I'm not paying on a monthly subscription. And some of them have been a bit hit and miss, like in my editing software, I don't use that setting at all. And it's not really a setting. It just pops up telling me to use it all the time. And I just ignore it because in my experience, it's been, I've tried it a couple of times and it's very, very, very slow. And I don't want to sit there and wait for it to think. I'd rather think on my own, um, or at least I'm doing something rather than just waiting. And I don't know if it's just my internet or my computer or my words that it's trying to fix. <laughs> but to me, it doesn't seem to, it's not a viable feature that I have ended up using. I did buy a one software called QuickWrite, which has AI in it. And that's what I, I call it my super thesaurus. And I'm sure there's lots more things that I can do with it. But for me, I can put in a whole sentence that is just not quite working, but I just really can't figure out how to make it work or how to make it better or change it or whatever I need to do to fix it. If I put it in there and under a command saying rewrite, it will rewrite it. And sometimes what comes out is completely ridiculous. I often wonder if it's, it's almost like it can't use any of the same words. So it's trying to 
change every single word. And that's not the point. I just want it to make it sound better, not choose an alternate word for every single word. Um, And you can press generate multiple times with the same command, generate, 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 generate. (laughs) But the suggestions that come up get more ludicrous the more times you press generate. So sometimes the first one is a bit silly, so I'll do a second one. Um, But sometimes the first one is, it's just enough to make my brain kick in and work out how to fix it myself or it's just the one word and it changes everything and the rest follows. So I do play around with it. I very rarely take exactly what it said. It still needs rewriting and for those of you who have my newsletter you would have already heard me talk about this in there where I coined the phrase Um, super thesaurus because I gave an example where there was one sentence and I pretty much changed three words in that sentence and that's why it was the super thesaurus because I could have looked up those individual words you know in my real thesaurus or in my online thesaurus but it's an online thesaurus AI I'll just put that in but it was just much quicker to do it and it's more comprehensive I guess to do it inside this program. Now Once I put that sentence back into my manuscript, my editing software said, "Uh -uh, I don't like that. That's not a good sentence. You need to rewrite it. (laughs) So it helped me change the words, but I still needed to rewrite the whole sentence. Well, I still needed to restructure the sentence. So it's not a one-stop shop and you still need to use your human brain to actually make things make sense. And I do stump it sometimes and it comes back with me saying, I am an AI model. I do not understand emotions and feelings. (laughs) Obviously it doesn't do that voice. It's just in writing. Um, But then it will, sometimes that's it and it just won't give me anything. And other times it'll give me kind of like Google, it'll give me information about whatever it was that I've asked it about Um, and the history behind it or something along those lines, which is not always useful. (laughs) But I hadn't actually planned on talking about QuickWrite in this session. This session, I really wanted to talk about two software products that have AI base. Well, one definitely has AI base. I'm not sure about the other one, but if Google... Yes, Google is AI and you use it every day. If that's AI, then these both are AI. Now, the first one claims completely to be AI and 100% is artificial intelligence. So we'll start with that one because it was the one I discovered and tried first. And I can't remember how I discovered it. It was probably some email that I subscribed to at some point. I have so many writing newsletter subscription blog post things that come into my emails these days. It's ridiculous. Um, But every now and then they come up with something good. And I think one of them maybe probably sent me to PseudoWrite. Now, so that's the name of the software program, whatever you want to call it. And it does use ChatGPT. So I think the writing software programs, they basically have subscriptions to ChatGPT and then they build programs in how to make the ChatGPT work in various writing situations. So this is just 
my very lay term understanding about what's happening. But, you know, I got, I had a, um, a sort of a vouchery coupon for 10,000 free words through a pseudo write trial. When I went on the website, it said I already had 4,000 words, but it ended up giving me more than that. And I ended up getting a later second free trial as well. So about a week after I'd done the first free trial and I hadn't subscribed, it offered me a second chance and said, we'll give you another 10,000 words over a three-day period to try a separate part of the site that I didn't try that first time around. Don't know if that was coincidence or not. So, but, but neither of the products I'm talking about today will I don't need them until after I finish my travel stories. They're all very much fiction writing based. So I was just testing the water. So I don't need a subscription or to buy any of these products at this point. But I'm learning now about what resources are out there for when I go down my fiction writing life um, after my second launch of the travel book coming up in July. So I the first trial I'd already watched a couple of online tutorials about how the program works so I had a little bit of an idea and so I started in what they call I think they call it the first draft section so this is where you're writing work or you're putting work in that's already written and you want to help rewrite it or improve it. So I copied in just over 300 words from a work in progress that has a title called Putin. Um, Not that I'll ever mention Putin in the book or in the final title, but that's just how I distinguish it as a project for this moment. (laughs) And I haven't spent a lot of time on this at all. So I just thought it would be something I could easily play with trying out this software. So I then played around with, they have things called, you can click on describe, you can click on rewrite, you can choose, you can tell it to do more dialogue, you can add more internal conflict. So you highlight a paragraph and then click on more internal conflict and it will spit something back out at you with more, the characters looking more inside about what they're really feeling and reacting to whatever is happening to them at that stage of the story. You can tell it to expand the paragraph or make it more succinct if you've got a high word count. And like I did use the describe setting quite a lot because it basically adds, it's broken up into all the different senses. So it'll give you smell, touch, sight, taste, and it will come up with something for each one of those senses that match your paragraph. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say they completely match your paragraph, but it will it'll give you ideas anyway on how to incorporate some of those senses. So a lot of writers, myself included, you know, smell is a difficult one. How do you always make something right about smell to put people in the in the setting? So if that's you can look at the smells, it can help you with ideas about what you might put for a smell to help set the scene. But some of the ideas just obviously didn't match at all what you actually wanted. So for example, my story started in a underground nuclear missile bunker. 
And so he kept coming up about the smell and taste of iron and blood. And yeah, that's not really what I wanted to put into my story. So after about three hours of playing with the software, like I said, I started with three, it was 322 words to be precise. At the end of that three hours, I had just over 3,000 words that I'd copied and pasted back into my original sort of writing folder on the Putin story. And, but I used to make that 3,000 words, I ended up using 8,000 artificial intelligence words. And everything with programs like this is based on word count. So not what you started with, not what you added yourself, but the amount of words that has been generated by the program. I will say that 3,000 words is not all usable. Some of that is the same paragraph written three different ways because I couldn't quite decide which one I liked best or I liked one sentence from each. And so I sort of saved everything and thought, I'll you know, work that out later. So it definitely hasn't turned into a 3,000-word usable piece of writing, far from it. But it took me 8,000 words to make that 3,000 words, which is probably more likely 2,000 words or potentially even less. And like I said, everything's done on word count. So the current pricing for PseudoWrite is, so if you're paying for a year, the monthly cost for 30,000 words is $10, 90,000 words is $25, and 300,000 words is $100. Or if you're paying by the month, it's $19, $29, and $129. So at first, 300,000 words looked like, well, why would I ever need 300,000 words? Because, you know, a book will say 90,000 words, some are 80,000, some are 100,000 for an average book. So you would actually get one book in 90,000 words or three books in 300,000 words. I'm like, how could you need, how could you write three books or write one book a month to be able to use that word count. <laughs> but like I've said, 8,000 words, I was lucky if that made 2,000 words, usable words. But it was fun. I could feel myself getting addicted to it quite easily. But I will put it away until I am writing my fiction. So I have not signed up for an actual subscription. So for the second trial, I used, it said I had three days to use 10,000 AI words. So I played around with, and I think it was specifically for the newest edition, which was out in my first trial, but they're obviously highlighting the new edition called Story Engine. So Story Engine is probably a little bit more like what people are imagining AI writing software can do, as in, in theory, it can write your whole book for you. So basically, I thought I'd try, I used my cozy mystery ideas for this bit because this is, this software you can actually, or this section of the software, you can start with just an idea. That's all you need. You need an idea. 
and that's where my cozy mystery is at. I have the idea, I have, you know, all sorts of visuals in my head about what the town looks like, the characters look like, what they're going to be, but I haven't actually written any paragraphs or real dialogue or anything about the story itself. It's just all the story ideas. So this is perfect. So story engine starts with something called the brain dump. So in the brain dump, you write everything you know about the story and everything you want in the story. So that was easy. I put everything I knew in this. You have 2000 words. So I use that 2,000 words quite nicely, putting everything in that I thought it would need to know. You also tell it what genre you want to write in. So I wrote Cozy Mystery. And then you can say, you can add writing style that you like. I believe you can put in a particular author here if you would like to follow a style of author. Um, After one of the videos I watched, I copied what they did and I asked it to write with lush prose and lots of dialogue. So I thought I'd give that a go. Then you press generate. It gives you a synopsis. It gives you character descriptions. Then it gives you an outline. And I don't know if it's always the case, but in my case, it gave me outline of 12 chapters. Then you choose chapter one. It gives you 12 what they call beats then you can tell it to write the story. At each stage, you can change what comes out. You can add things to what comes out to make it, to tweak it to what you want it to be. And at every point, you just hit generate. Now, I have to admit, every time I went to press the generate button, there was this nervous excitement that happened in my stomach. (laughs) And it it was like... I almost felt like I was doing something that was naughty or cheating and it was just really weird but exciting at the same time. But again, it almost felt like there was a a glitch in the system or maybe this just happens with anyone, but it just kept giving me words. Like I really expected the 10,000 words to run out quite quickly. Now, I think you probably use a little bit less words doing it in this way depending on how many rewrites you do. So you can basically, anything you want to change, you then have to press generate again and you'll get some new words. So you don't, you just have to keep pressing generate, generate, and the computer system decides how many words it will give you each time you press generate. So so over my hours worth of playing, and I don't remember exactly how many hours, but it was way more than three hours from the first trial, I somehow managed to generate 30 or over 33,000 words. So I was meant to only get 10,000 words, which so it was just ridiculous. I really just thought I just kept going thinking that it's going to cut me off any second quick. Let's just keep generate, 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 generate. (laughs) So I wasn't going back and I wasn't checking all the little details. So (laughs) what it gave me was quite ridiculous really. So probably most of that will be completely unusable, not for this story anyway, because it completely made stuff up all on its own. So obviously 12 chapters is not going to be enough to tell a story. And 33,000 words, which was done over about five or six chapters. So 
if it had managed to go all the way through like 66,000 words, it's not that bad. But like I said, they're not usable words. For example, it just didn't keep the story straight. So my main character was introduced three times. <laughs> I was getting confused. I was reading, I'm like, what? what? But we've already introduced Tessa, what's going on? And then the main character met three characters in the book for the first time more than once. So she kept being reintroduced and then reintroduced to the other characters, <laughs> which obviously you just have to cut out all of that, like gone. And um, one character didn't match the description at all. So they got the name right, but the description that was in the character description was completely wrong. She went from blonde hair to wispy and grey. And she was only a character that was in her 20s. But then later on, the characters that are in their 70s, they had the wispy grey hair too. Um, and one character changed from a male to a female, which was not part of the storyline. And it killed off one of the characters that I actually wanted to keep in the continuing on series. This is my plan is to make this into a series of cozy mysteries. And so they killed off one of my characters that I plan on keeping around. So it just, yeah, it, you'd have to be look. You have to look at it really carefully, and it would take a lot of time to look at every single sentence that the AI writes and work out if you need to change it. In some senses, it would be easier just to write it yourself, but it does spit out words faster than you can write. But they're just not usable. So the time it takes to fix them. For some people, it may not be worth it. And if I'd done it properly checking each step, then I would have got a little bit closer to what I actually wanted. But if you don't have specific ideas of what you want, then you kind of have your story written for you. So in that sense, it is written for you if you don't know what you want. It will make up the different plots. It will make up who the characters, and it will make up which one lives or dies or stays. And so if you really have no ideas, then that will work. If you have specific ideas, it will be a lot more work. No matter what it spits out, you will have to double, triple, quadruple check everything to make sure that it has stayed on track and stayed true to the story or the descriptions of what has already come before it. So you can't just put in a basic idea of a story, press go, and it is done for you. I mean, you can, but it's not going to be readable or good quality in any sense of the word. And if you stuff up your first book, people aren't going to buy your second book. One of the videos I watched before the trial was with one of the people who works or wrote Sudorat. I'm not sure exactly her position at the company, um, but she did an online example and she averaged, so she tried to sort of give people an idea of how many words she generated compared to how many words she kept. And in that sample at the time, she basically used eight generated words per every word that she kept. So if you wanted to write the average novel 80 to 100,000 words, then that would mean 640,000 to 800,000 artificially intelligent generated words. So even the top count of the 300,000 word monthly subscription doesn't even count. Even if I halved 
that word count, the 300,000 still doesn't make it. So it sounds like a lot of words, but it really isn't. So once you have these terrible words, you're going to need to edit them. So that brings me on to my second software that I'm talking about today. And I'm not sure how much AI is in this software, but I'm guessing if Google and um, Spellcheck are considered forms of AI, then this is a form of AI just of a different mindset. It won't write any words for you, but it, it'll help you imp- it'll help you improve your story. So it took a bit of fiddling around to sort of get started with this. So I definitely spent more time on it than I had expected to. But all those words that I had previously spit out with PseudoWrite, I put that, so it's about five chapters or so that it gave me full chapters I that have not been edited by me or any other way. I put that into a about 26,000 word document and uploaded that into a software called Fictionary. So in this, it's basically looking at 38 different editing points. So if you are editing yourself, if you're an actual editor editing other people's works, there are certain things that you need to check to make sure that the story works. And it is that bigger picture of the story itself. So not the writing itself, but how you've written the story. So does the plot work? Do the characters work? Have you kept everything in line? Which is what Pseudorite couldn't do by killing off characters and all that stuff. So Fictionary will help you see if any of those sort of things have happened in your story. (laughs) So you have to do quite a lot of work. You have to set up your manuscript in a particular way so that it knows when a chapter starts and when a scene is, because you are looking at a scene by scene edit for this one. So I had to go back and put stars in between where I sort of thought a scene ended or began so that they would be individually broken up once they were uploaded into Fictionary software. So I should say I had a, it's a two-week trial for this one. Um, so I'm using it under that for the moment. So not sure if it was part of the trial or if it was just the first time you go on, you are sort of guided through the process and it tells you what to do to start with. So I followed the prompts, even though I just wanted to get down to the nitty gritty, but I did follow the prompts. And the first thing it asked me to do was to look at the characters. And so out of the manuscript, the software had gone through looking for anything that was seemed to be like a name or a character and it brought them up into a list and it was asking you, are these the characters? Is this the information correct? So it did a pretty good job. Obviously, I haven't checked the whole manuscript, but the main characters were all there. There were a few random names I didn't know, but I left them there because, like I said, I haven't properly read through the whole pseudo-write script that it punched out at me. But what I particularly liked about the character section was that it even had the cats in there. So my book is called, it's going to be the Lost Cat book series. So there's a bookstore called the Lost Cats or the Lost Cat bookstore. Um, 
so and I the character the cats have names and are mentioned of course and so they came up as individual characters which I thought were quite cute and sometimes it sort of didn't quite understand everything or it was just clarifying I guess in that at one point the main character Tess McGill is called Miss McGill by a younger character and so they had McGill as a character and they had Tess McGill as a character and they also had Tessa as a character so but the software made it easy all I had to do was click on each of those three and then there was a little thing that said merge characters and so I could turn them all into the the one character and I could label her the protagonist and things like that so you were able to double check everything and make sure everything matched they even had the town name as a character and I wasn't sure if that was on purpose because I know a lot of times they say the setting is just like a character but I did just delete that one and I don't think that will have any effects to the rest of the editing. It pretended to have read the whole story and worked out where the inciting incident was and where the climax was and obviously this is not a finish. This was only five chapters of a badly AI written script or manuscript and so it was quite they give you a visual picture of the story arc so there's a line showing you what the ideal story arc is so when to begin when to have the inciting incident which is what gets the story going where the middle is where the climax is and what comes after and so I pretty much matched everything quite nicely on the first little story arc it's called Gave Me, which I was quite impressed. After I made a few changes and went back, it had the inciting incident in a really weird arrow off, completely off point. I'm not sure what happened there. And then the third time I went back to the story arc after doing a lot of changes, it said there wasn't enough information to give the story arc, which is probably a better response to what was there because there was no climax there was no ending so the middle obviously is not the middle and the inciting incident was definitely not the real inciting incident so but it didn't have enough information it didn't have the full story so I'm happy that it basically came back to me saying you I don't have enough information because that's what I would want it to say knowing that I didn't give it enough information but I loved seeing all the graphs and things. You can it breaks the scenes down in word counts, and you can there's a graph showing you the average or just how many words are in each scene. And so I'm always I've always been a visual person, so I love that they're putting my words into visual pictures. But the nitty gritty of editing and the software is it's a lot of work. It's detailed work. But it was also kind of fun. And I'm really looking at it as a learning project because it's teaching me all the aspects that every scene needs to have to be a successful scene in its own right and then be a successful scene in the plot, which makes the story, which makes a good book. So definitely over time, I will learn how to do this a little bit more naturally. It'll show where I need work or where I'm doing well. So when you look at your first scene, and you can start wherever you like, but I obviously started in scene one, you've got four sections to analyze that scene against. You've got character, plot, 
setting uh, and notes. So only three sections really if you discount the notes. So in the character, it automatically populates who's in that scene. So you can check that and see if they're actually in that scene or if they're just mentioned. So you can have a mentioned column and people who are actually physically in the scene. So that's good. So you can actually see where the characters are and you can know for sure if they should be in the following scene that they're still there or they're not there. Therefore, you have to write how they exited. So it keeps you on track on where everybody is as you're going from one scene to the next. Um, Also looking at what point of view it's written at, so which character's point of view, what's their goal in the scene, so what do they want to achieve or find out, and how the scene will impact the protagonist, whether they're actually in the scene or not. So you're checking to make sure it's giving adding to the story rather than just being wasted words. The plot section has 10 evaluation points and the setting has six evaluation points. So you have to go through and actually decide if you have met all those things. So in settings, that can be, have you actually made it clear where the scene is taking place? Have you made sure what the time of day is? And you can put as much information or as little information as you like. So one of the videos I saw, they were putting ticks and crosses and that's it. So I like the idea of the ticks and the crosses, but I also, being new and learning, I did the tick and the cross and then wrote something beside it. So either what was in there or ideas of maybe what I need to add. So I definitely did a lot of work on each. I did five scenes in the end just so I could see the visual graphs at the end. And it really, I kept going back to the original manuscript and adding all sorts of notes in about what I have to do, what I have to add, what I have to change. So it's definitely going to improve what was already written. So it does look at all the senses and it asks you if you have to tick or cross or whatever you're going to write for each of the senses. (laughs) And like I said earlier, smell is one that a lot of people find hard to get into their scenes. (laughs) But while I was doing all of this, I was cooking a roast in the oven. And so I wouldn't be surprised if a roast smell at some point ends up in the book because every time smell came up and I realized I didn't have anything, all I could actually smell was the roast cooking. (laughs) So it may or may not be included in the book. So it's actually quite time consuming, but it is in-depth editing. And to be honest, I found it a lot of fun. Like I might not say that after, you know, scene 87 or 105 or something, but (laughs) to start with, it's fun. And I am looking at it as a learning curve and it will only improve. There can be no downsides to actually using Fictionary. I think it's absolutely brilliant and I will be using it once I am ready for it. Obviously, it's just not the right time at this point but I know where I'm going once I start writing my fiction. But after I'd completed the in-depth edit of the five scenes, I went back into the visualize section where I could see the information put into nice clear graphs for me. And it was fantastic. So once you you go to, it's called story map. 
Like I said, Story Arc had stopped working at this point, but all those individual points that you looked at and analysed, it puts it in a graph side by side, scene one, scene two, scene three, scene four, scene five. So I have a list of all the characters in each scene, whose point of view the scene's from, the goals, the character arc, the scene name, which is just so that you know what's happening. Um, It looks at the purpose of the scene, how I open it. So it gives you five choices of how you're opening it, whether it's a dialogue, whether it's description, whether it's thought, whether it's action, sorry, maybe only four. And then if you look at it, so opening type and closing type are right next to each other or underneath each other and then next to each other. So you want some variety in your work. So if I start with a dialogue, I don't want to necessarily finish with a dialogue and I definitely don't want to start the next scene with a dialogue. So you break it up. So I haven't done, well, Pseudo-Writer hasn't done quite so well in this section because out of the five scenes, I start four of them with description and one with a dialogue, which was actually a sentence that I added. (laughs) Otherwise, it probably would have been five descriptions. And then it ends with a thought four times and a description one time. So that is not an ideal situation. And I do wonder if that comes from me suggesting to Sudorite to do the lush prose. I'm guessing that might have a part of it. So definitely, so, but if that's hard to see. If you're just reading it through from start to finish, you're not really analyzing what the different things are and how often they're happening. So this gives you a clear vision of what is happening, what's too much or not enough or just not much variety. And so I can look at, so have I actually said um, the time and the place? And so I'm not too bad at saying where they are, but I haven't necessarily been clear on what time of day it was. Is it exactly immediately after the last scene or is it the next morning? So that needs to be looked at back on the manuscript. And then they talk about entry hooks and exit hooks. So this is each scene needs to have a reason to be there. Each scene wants, you want the reader to read the next scene. So if they read the first line, they're like, oh, okay, I have to find out what happens. And if they read the last line of the scene, they also have to keep reading to find out what happens. So not so good on that. So I've got for entry hook, I've got one tick three crosses and I've added in question mark, which probably means it's going to be a cross. So definitely Sudorite needs to work on entry hooks. Exit hooks is pretty similar. I've got one tick. I've got, looks like two crosses and two question marks. So I also need to learn a little bit more about how to write entry hooks and exit hooks. So some of them might be there and I'm just not sure, or I'm not really sure what one is. So I definitely need to do more work on that. So that's a good learning point. I'm excellent at location. Objects, there's only one time I haven't mentioned objects. So I need to talk about what's in the room so people know what's to visualize when they're reading. 
uh, sights, not so great, smells, not great, but I've written some good ideas next to the crosses about what I can add in there and even gave me a potential twist plot or a red herring plot at some point. So you never know where ideas are going to come from. And then sounds, I've got three out of the five, so not too bad. And it's quite nice, you know, one of them's the cats are purring. So, (laughs) but it really, it really shows you where you need to improve. So that can only be a good thing. And I think particularly if you're, well, this is good for everybody, whether you're self-publishing or traditionally publishing, but particularly if you are traditionally publishing, This is a fantastic way to edit your story to the best possibility that you can, which means you're more likely to have a quality product that an agent and or a publisher want more information about or pages at or to publish you. Obviously, they have their own in-house editors and so it will get more work down the track, but it will give you a really good edge on people who are just editing themselves from start to finish without the advantages of something like Fictionary. And obviously, self-published authors, it saves money from having to pay editors. And based from on what I've seen around on the internet, a lot of actual editors who people are paying to edit their work are using tools like this. So you might as well use the tool yourself. Obviously, it's always good to have a professional edit done, but depends on what your goals are for your book. But for me, it's definitely going to make you a better writer. So if you look at it as a learning technique, then you really can't go wrong. There is also a write function in Fictionary, which means as you're writing, you are using all those different prompts to make sure you're including them right from the start. So I haven't tried that, but that's definitely a good way to learn how to write. I'm not sure. I think I'd rather do a bit of free writing first and then go back in, but If you really are starting out from scratch and have no idea how to set up a scene, then it's probably quite a good way to do it. Okay, I need an entry hook. You start with your entry hook and it's like, okay, but what setting am I in? Okay, what's around? I have to think of sight and sound and taste. And and so you're not adding them later. You're not reading to find if they're in there. You're actually writing it at the time. So maybe I will try that one day. If I get another free trial, (laughs) I might try that. I do, I will give a little caveat. I do have a three month free coupon to use to, for this software. But like I said, I'm not quite ready to use it as yet, but I will be utilizing it uh, once I finish with the travel stories. So there's a little bit of an inside AI writing software from a newbie learning writer. So I don't know if it's exactly what you were expecting or if it was interesting, but I do think all of these things are definitely good for learning. So if you look at them for tools of learning, I don't think you can really go wrong. And I would be really surprised if anything of quality comes out of these software without having a human touch. They all need a human touch to all these sort of software auto-generating words. They're not going to make a good book without having a human person actually going through them and fixing 
things along the way. The QuickWrite software is always telling me how it doesn't understand feelings and doesn't know what it's like to touch something. So humans are required. (laughs) But you could also look at it as a writing partner. And so some people are saying, well, if you If you're writing with the second person, this is what they would be doing. They'd be giving you ideas. They'd be giving you hints. You'd be changing things based on what they said, but you would also be giving them credit for what you were doing. So is it cheating if you acknowledge the fact that you have used it? And then the one of the writing societies has written a semi-policy about it and it basically just says well why not acknowledge all the AI that you've used and that was where I discovered Google was AI because they mention well you know in your acknowledgement section just talk about all the AI that you've used Google spell count like what so I hadn't actually realized myself or associated Google with artificial intelligence but of course it is And so is spell check and any sort of grammar check or anything because there's computers behind the (laughs) wheels that are actually doing it. So we're using AI already every day. I challenge, you know, anyone to not Google something for a week or a month. I don't think, especially at the moment, there's no way I could do that. Um, And so AI is already a part of our life and Unfortunately, no matter what you think about it, we're going to have to embrace at least some of it. So I don't think computers are going to take over the world. I don't think computers are going to put all writers out of business. I'm looking forward to using it to make me a better writer and to have fun while I'm writing. Like I literally could have spent hours and days playing with both of these softwares because it was just, you know, what's going to come next? What's going to happen? Oh my God, this is a great idea. Oh, this is great. Oh, oh, that's terrible. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Seriously, what what are you writing now? So it can be entertaining and fun. And, you know, let's When you're writing, you're often just by yourself in a quiet room. I can't write with music. That's just weird. But I know some, I don't know how people write while they've got music playing in the background. Um, But, you know, you are on your own a lot. And so it's kind of fun. And I'm not afraid or embarrassed to laugh out loud when I'm a room by myself or laugh out loud at something that I've written or done. So, I'm not sure if there's much to laugh about in this section. Maybe there is in this episode, and I'm sorry if it's not what you're expecting, but some of you might have found it interesting. Some might be looking into it if you're looking into writing your own book down the track or just interested in what AI and writing means when you've probably heard about it in the news. I have some screenshots from when I was playing with Fictionary, so I will include those in the... July newsletter, either directly in the newsletter or a link to them somewhere else. So if you are interested in looking at so pictures from what I was doing and what was coming up and how it works, then sign up for my newsletter and you will get that at the end of July. So it generally comes out on the last day of the month. And once you sign up, you get access to all the previous newsletters There's a link in the welcome email, which will send you to all the previous newsletters. So it doesn't matter if you don't 
subscribe. If you're listening to this in August or September or February, the year after, you can still sign up to the newsletter and you'll be able to get access to the photos that I'm talking about today. So the newsletter does give you links to all the freebies as well. So all the ones that have come before and the ones that will come after, you will always get. So you can sign up at my website, so franheapwriter.com, and you can find the sign-up page, and you're done. Easy. Next week, I will be going back into the travel stories, so I'll be reading three stories from the June chapter, which I talked all about the background of last week. So back to regular programming. I do hope I've made you laugh, even if it's just, I hope you smelled the roast while you've been listening to me. It was very delicious. I can tell you now, I still have some roast potatoes beside me, which is breaking all the rules. As a podcast recording, you are not meant to be eating just before you start. So my Podcast editing software will be working overtime again. And I must Google, use some extra AI to find out how to save some of these outtakes because there have been a few good ones again tonight. <laughs> One day I'll do a whole episode on outtakes if I ever work out how to do that. So until next week, thank you very much for listening today and I wish for you an interesting day.